Thank you for the music. It is indeed an honor to be in this place today, and I'm grateful to Mac for this opportunity to spend 14 minutes here. <laughs> when I looked at the lectionary reading for today, I found that one of the texts is the story in 2 Samuel about Absalom. Absalom was riding on his mule, and the mule went, out from, went under the thick branches of a great oak. His head caught fast in the oak, and he was left hanging between heaven and earth, while the mule that was under him went on. And then along came ten young men, Joab's armor-bearers, and they killed Absalom. You remember that Absalom's father, David, was heartbroken. It's an interesting story, a tragic story, but after some pondering, I failed to find much that was spiritually edifying or theologically uplifting. Karl Barth is one of the 20th century's most important theologians. He taught his students that when preparing to preach, they should keep the Bible in one hand and a newspaper in the other hand. Of course, we would revise that now to say a Bible in one hand and a computer screen or a phone in the other. I don't know how many people actually hold a newspaper anymore. And if we read one, it's usually online. So it was Bart's advice that led me to think about what I want to talk about today. Thoughts and prayers. You have heard this phrase so many times in the past few years, you may not even hear it anymore. We see officials, authorities speaking to the press following a disaster, a, a hurricane or a flood or a building collapse or a shooting in a public place, and the authorities will give an account of the event and then ask for thoughts and prayers. Or they may say they offer their thoughts and prayers. This phrase even has its own Wikipedia entry. You can look it up when you get home. I learned that thoughts and prayers is now designated a meme well, due no doubt to my age and lack of involvement with social media, I had to look up what a meme is. I read that a meme is a unit of cultural information spread by imitation. And then I continued to wonder what a meme is. <laughs> Seems it comes from a Greek word, memema, which means imitation. So does this mean that when we hear thoughts and prayers, and then we simply imitate it, that we hear it, and we, we turn and use it in conversation with others? Does this mean that we say it with little intention or thought? Has it become essentially meaningless? First, I want to separate thoughts and prayers. Now, maybe thoughts are offered to or by people who are not believers or believe differently from us. I don't know, but I do know that some of my thoughts aren't fit to print. <laughs> and offering them to others may not be welcomed. <laughs> or maybe thoughts are, in a sense, a form of prayer. Maybe if I think about you in warm and caring ways, God hears that as a prayer. I don't know. But it isn't clear to me what offering our thoughts actually means. So let's stick to prayers. Let's think about offering our prayers. As Christians, this is a familiar idea and practice, and we may say at times, I'm thinking about you, but we're more likely to say, I'm praying for you. Or we may, we may ask for prayers for a particular person or situation. 
As the phrase thoughts and prayers became increasingly prevalent in the public sphere, there's been something of a backlash. Some commentators suggest that offering thoughts and prayers and then doing nothing serves little purpose. Jonathan Foyles, writing in Psychology Today, compared thoughts and prayers to an infantile response, saying thoughts and prayers is the linguistic equivalent of yelling for something to be different when you have the ability to affect that change yourself. Others have noted that offering thoughts and prayers does nothing to keep future disasters and tragedies from happening. Some have called it a meaningless platitude. Public discourse has even included references to scripture. You are familiar with James 2, 14 through 16. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? Are thoughts and prayers a way to offer meaningless encouragement without actually helping or trying to make a difference? I want to propose that we, as Christians, reclaim the importance and value of prayer. It is not a meaningless platitude. It is not a waste of time and energy. It matters. It matters as a central practice of who we are as followers of Jesus. We need not disavow action. Rather, I want to suggest that prayer will lead us to action. Prayer and action are not opposites. They are complementary, and both are part of the Christian life. It isn't a matter of one or the other. Pope Francis, rarely quoted from Baptist pulpits, said, Prayer that doesn't lead to concrete action toward our brothers, and I'm sure he meant to include sisters, is fruitless and incomplete prayer. Prayer and action are always profoundly united. Praying will help us know what is the Christ-like action we are called to. As followers of Jesus, we look to him for guidance. Jesus prayed throughout his life and ministry. If we had time for a thorough study of prayer in the Gospels, we would find that Jesus practiced prayer faithfully and diligently. He came from a tradition that valued prayer, and he was taught from childhood to pray three times a day. And we see, reading the Gospels, that he went beyond that. Each of the Gospel writers record numerous instances of Jesus at prayer. He prayed for others, and he prayed for himself. The only thing his disciples asked him to teach them was how to pray and he taught them what we know as the Lord's Prayer. And he gave instructions about prayer. He taught the disciples to pray in secret, in a closet with the door shut. He told them not to heap up empty phrases on street corners for others to see. All of you know this. Throughout the remainder of the New Testament, as we read about the early church and the spread of Christianity, we read about prayer requests for prayer, accounts of prayer, exhortations to pray. 
Prayer was clearly important to the early Christians. Will Williman wrote an essay called My Encounter with a Chainsaw. It's included in his book, Stories, that he made available to us earlier this summer. He writes about his chainsaw accident a few years ago and his thoughts about prayer during the subsequent days of pain and healing. He says that prayer requests and prayer lists usually include mostly the sick or the injured. Williman writes, This is not prayer as Jesus practiced and taught it. Bread and debts are mentioned in the Lord's Prayer, but infection and discomfort are not. Prayer in Jesus' name is noted for his demand that we pray for our enemies, not for our illnesses. I worked as a chaplain at the hospital for many years, and I know how much people value prayers during times of illness. I know how much I appreciate your prayers, and I pray daily for people I care about. I don't think that we need to cease praying for our loved ones and for ourselves during times of crisis. I don't think for a moment that Dr. Williman would say we should not pray for one another. But I would suggest that we broaden our thinking about prayer. I would suggest that we seek ways to enrich and expand and deepen our praying. In addition to asking of God, in addition to learning to pray for our enemies, learning to listen, learning to be quiet with God can help us become a people transformed, a people led to right action. A regular practice of daily prayer, more than just a few requests, is how we draw closer to God, hear God's voice, and move toward becoming a people made new. Our own via caris, a rule of life, created by this church in 2018, and David has copies. If you need a copy at the end of the service, he will give you one for free. The Via Caris asks, what is prayer? And the Book of Common Prayer reply, prayer is responding to God by thought and by deed with or without words. If we hope to respond to God, we must be quiet and listen. This is the hard part. We're all pretty good at talking to God, but it's more of a challenge to shut up and listen. We may need some practice, but we can learn. A few years ago, a friend gave me a small book called St. Benedict's Prayer Book. In addition to readings and prayers, there's wise instruction regarding prayer. It says, for those who listen, prayer is never a one-way traffic. If we listen with the ears of the heart, as St. Benedict put it, the word of God comes to us here and now to teach and guide. Learning to pray from the saints, often in unexpected places or circumstances, can be helpful. They need not be formally declared saints by a complicated ecclesiastical process. But their stories teach us, inspire us, and help us grow closer to God. Eddie Hillisum is one such teacher. 
As World War II began, Eddie was a young Jewish woman living in Amsterdam. The Nazis came and life became increasingly difficult for Eddie and her family. Friends urged her to flee or go into hiding and she refused. Eventually, she was taken to Westerbork, an internment camp. Conditions were harsh. Eddie began keeping a journal. It was smuggled out of the camp and later published. Beginning in 1941, when Eddie was 27, she wrote about life in the camp, about her beliefs, her hopes and dreams, and her spiritual life. She and her family were later taken to Auschwitz, where they died in 1943. Eddie's diary, published as An Interrupted Life, is a remarkable story of her journey toward God. The circumstances of an internment camp and then a concentration camp severely limited what Eddie could do, but there were no limits on what she could become through her relationship with God. She wrote, I see no other solution than to turn inward and root out all the rottenness there. I no longer believe that we can change anything in the world until we have first changed ourselves. And that seems to me to be the only lesson to be learned from this war, that we must look into ourselves and nowhere else. Eddie's prayers which she called Letters to God, enabled her to become a loving, caring, guiding presence to others in the camp. She called herself a kneeler in training as she prayed, Oh God, take me into your great hands and make me your instrument. She prayed that God would enable her to become the thinking heart of the barracks. She longed to be transformed through her relationship with God into God's very loving presence to those around us and her. To become a thinking heart, isn't that what the world needs now? We live in a world desperately in need of thinking hearts. We live in the midst of fear and anger, surrounded by hostility and violence and tribalism. The world needs from us a calm, thoughtful, loving word, along with calm, thoughtful, loving deeds. Not only are we divided and isolated from one another, we're still reeling from a pandemic which has turned life upside down for so many. We're still pondering, still trying to understand how to move forward. What are we called to? I don't know exactly. But I believe that if we listen individually as well as collectively, we will hear the whisper of God's love, hope, grace, and mercy. We will sense God's leading in a particular direction to particular tasks. We will become a people who are becoming as well as a people who are doing. We will become a people filled with love, acting with love. That, my friends, is sometimes very hard to do. This world is so broken and divided, 
with so many people in such pain, living in fear, anxious and isolated, becoming people who act out of love, becoming the thinking heart rather than the fearful or angry heart is where prayer can take us. It won't happen overnight. It will come gradually, gently, in God's good time as we pray faithfully. The next time you hear the phrase, thoughts and prayers, hear it as a reminder to pray, to open your heart to God's love and mercy. Now hear again Paul's words to the church at Ephesus. It's the prayer that Patricia read. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. I pray that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through his spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen.